Well, good morning, Offshore. So good to be here with you today. I want to invite you, if you're in the room with us, will you stand and join us for worship this morning? We just want to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and acknowledge his presence here with us and open our hearts up to him today. was buried beneath my shame who could carry that kind of weight it was my tomb till I met you I was breathing but not Alive. All my failures I try to hide. It was my turn till I met you. Does he call this out? You call my name, and I ran out of that grave. Oh, my God. 
Your blood runs through 
God, as we continue worshiping you, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come and have your way in this place. God, may our hearts just be in a posture of openness and readiness, Lord, acknowledging that you are a God who has been with us through everything. And even now, God, you continue on with us. You invite us to walk right alongside you. So God, now we just turn, fix our eyes on you, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. Cause you found me, you freed me, held back the water from my release. Oh, Yahweh, you're the God. Lord of every victory. 
for the needs of the church this morning. If you have one, great or small, we remember what God has done before and he's gonna do it again. I would just invite you to take a seat where you are. We wanna pray for you. We especially wanna pray for those kids going back to school, school teachers, school administrators, parents who've just sent kids off to college, kids who are moving up in classrooms. We invite you to take a seat that we could pray over you as well today. Oh God, we never want to run past all the things that you have done for us. And we give you honor and praise and we remember them. We are grateful, God. And you are here this morning and you want to meet each and every need for each and every person seated. Oh Father, would you just enter into their Egypts? Would you take them by the hand and would you let them know that you have got this? That you won't leave them, that you're right by their side. For those who need miracles, Father, would you part seas and would you throw mountains into them? God, you are the one and only true God, and we worship you and praise you today for what you're doing and what you are going to do for each and every person seated. God, we pray for parents who are gonna have hectic lives in the next coming weeks, getting kids into a new rhythm. Father, would you give them peace in their homes? Would you give them wisdom and guidance as they lead their little ones? For those parents who left kids at college, Father, we pray your protection over them. We ask you to watch out for them when moms and dads aren't there. And Father, we just put them into your hands and thank you for that. Father, we thank you for teachers and administrators who are gonna watch over the kids. Father, that you would guide and direct them, that your love would be in their hearts and that Father, they would move about with grace and mercy and kindness and love, but that you would give them each and everything that they need today. And Father, we pray for Grand Haven Community Baptist Church as well, that you would bless their congregation, that your kingdom would grow because of their great love for you and for one another. Father, we pray for the McFredericks in the Czech Republic. God, they are launching discipleship groups. Father, we just pray that those would grow, that people would be intrigued and want to know more about who this Jesus is and who he can be to them. So we pray over their ministry, Lord. God, we give this time to you now, knowing that everything good and perfect comes from the hand of God, and we thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you're here, you may be seated. I just wanna welcome you all. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for worshiping with us today. It's been such a joy already. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you tuned in. Thanks for being with us in that way. 
And I just want to let you know that we have a prayer ministry. We talk a lot about prayer around here, and we do have a prayer ministry called Wellsprings. You can check it out on our website, but it is a healing prayer ministry uh, for some of those deeper wounds and deeper hurts that you might be experiencing. You can find it at allshores.org care. Scroll down to the bottom, and you'll see it there along with the prayer wall where you can pray for the needs of the church. We want to continue to give you opportunity to express your worship to God, and this is one way we do it is through our giving. You know, it's out of the joy of the Lord that we want to give, not out of uh, obligation or expectation. We never want you to feel that here. We just want to give you an, a place, a place of worship in that way that helps advance the kingdom of God. You can do that today. There are boxes by the doorways on your way out or through an online mechanism that we have for you. Just again, thank you for being here with us. Take a look at the screens now as we continue. Hey church, we are so excited for our current series, Finding Our Place in God's Family. We're gonna have a major outplay of this series be a one night journey event, Tuesday, August 30th from six to eight at every campus. We'll have childcare available, we'll have snacks available, and we'll be walking people through the journey. The journey is for people who maybe feel disconnected or maybe you don't feel like you've plugged in, maybe, maybe you're new. We would love to help you find your place at All Shores. And we're gonna be walking people through steps one and two of the journey. Step one is all about our mission, our vision, our values, both where we've been as a church and where we're going in the future. Step two is all about your personality and your spiritual gifts assessment, that God has given you a unique design. We wanna help you discover that. So if that's you, if you're interested, we would love to get you pre-registered for this event at your campus. All you have to do is go to allshores.org slash the journey and register today. My name is Melody Hooksma. I have been at All Shores for about two years now with my family. Um, I'm a mom of three little girls, five, two and a half, and eight months. So my first experience with group was right after my husband and I got married. Um, he came to me and wanted to join a group, and so I agreed. I was just frozen with fear. I did not want to go in the house. I did not want to um, walk into a situation where I didn't know anybody. Um, it just seemed really scary and awkward, and I didn't know what to expect. Eventually, I went into the home and um, joined the group of people that I had never met, and it ended up being a great experience. Fast forward to about two years ago, we moved to, back to Michigan and to Grand Haven and we um, started attending All Shores. We knew from our previous um, home and church, we knew the fastest way to do that was to join a group and so again, we started a group. We were able to grow deeper relationships. Um, it took several semesters of groups to get to that place where I felt like I could open up and share who I was a little bit with people. That was where I wanted to be versus feeling like I had to be there and, or I was forced to, I wanted to be there. When we opened up our home, we had about um, a dozen or so people come to our first group 
and um, they became some of our closest friends here. It was amazing how quickly we gelled with them and how quickly we became friends and we just built that community right off the bat and it became such an important place to us. Fast forward to that spring and that's when COVID hit, um, which obviously changed the dynamic of our group. So we decided to split guys and girls and by default, I became the group leader for the girls. At first, it felt um, super intimidating to me to be the leader of this group. I was really nervous about leading because I had never done that and I just wasn't sure I was qualified um, or the right person to do it. There were so many fears and anxiety that came with leading a group because I was so focused on myself, but what I've learned over the last year is that I really just have to be open and willing and the Holy Spirit will show up and do the hard work. If you are um, on the fence about leading a group and um, kind of held back by your fears, I just want to encourage you and say um, you really just have to be open to walking alongside of Jesus and he um, will be there for you and he will uh, show you the way. Well, I want to welcome those of you joining us online, all of you here in Spring Lake. Uh, we're in the fourth week, the final week of a series we've titled Finding Our Place in God's Family. Before we actually invite you to pray and open the scriptures, I want to invite uh, two of our team here that have just both uh, stepped out of roles, Justin Van Hook and Nate Landier. We want to celebrate them, and I want to tell you a little about them, and then we're going to pray for them. Uh, so Justin has been here, was on staff for over nine years came on as our tech director, and you wouldn't know all the things that have transpired over the last nine years, but everything from upgrades in our second campus, Muskegon, or Coopersville, to now we opened a third campus, Muskegon, Justin was a big part of all of that goes on at all three in the technology, as well as a lot of IT things that we do, including major upgrades we had to make uh, with just continuing to be able to stream online and make it efficient and consistent. And then well beyond just the role that Justin has brought, he brings a lot of other attributes to us and has a deep passion for people that are far from God and a great voice to us in that. And then I would just say, you know, being, being a friend and someone who's brought both influence as well as being influenced, that one of our joys, as even as Justin steps out, is that he'll be involved, as you've said, in the Muskegon campus yes. where you live. Strictly in the Muskegon Yeah, campus. so we're saying goodbye, but I'm just kidding. We, you're part of us. And, and we were so thankful when someone serves like they do, the way they do, and thrilled that he's going to continue to be part of the church and we get to continue his influence. And one of the things you, you don't realize, too, when people are on staff, they have limited roles they can do. Justin brings some other skills and gifts to us that we're thrilled we'll get to watch him soar and exercise. And probably no more injuries like your rib when you fell doing the video. Was that a dislocated rib or a yeah. fractured rib? Dislocated. Yeah. So you know he really cares when he falls and injures a rib. 
And then Nate here has been on our staff for over five years in our student ministries. And I would tell you, has he moved from joining the team to moving up on team to then leading the team and led it through the most, what I would say was the most difficult season with students of all age groups became the most difficult because we had to close down regular weekly activities. So everything went online to a group of people that were online for everything else they did. And it became really complicated. And so there's that picture where you go, man, just the sheer stamina and engagement that he brought through really difficult seasons where you're like, we're so grateful that you led and how you led. And, and you know, some of you would have seen because uh, Nate was here today playing drums, but he also leads worship. He's taught for us. In fact, one of his contributions is helping us engage more with singles because he understands what we're missing often in a very family-oriented kind of community has been a great voice for that. And one of the things I, I always remark with Nate is the gifts he has, but he's always been a person of character, which is true of both of these guys. And so when we have people step out, and they're both going to continue to be part of us, which is a bonus, we always want to honor and remember that. And so I want to pray for them, and then I simply want you to give thanks with them, for them with me. So let's pray over both of these gentlemen. Lord, we thank you for Justin and for Nate and the many laughs, the many uh, deep experiences together, all that we both have been part of seeing them grow in, but they've also been part of shaping us and being part of our growth. And so we bless them as they hit this finish line for each, that they'll hear well done from us and from you. And we also bless them in the next season that's ahead in their lives, in their lives and how they minister and what they do, in their life in the church and how they minister both out of vocation and out of avocation, how they just live. And so we pray and give thanks for what they've done to contribute to us, what they will continue to contribute to us, and what we get to do to be a part of contributing to them. And say again uh, with you, well done, and we give thanks. Amen. Would you thank these guys with me? I know you want a hug, right? Yeah. It's always bittersweet. I tell them I love them, but I'm still very hurt. That they, no, I'm joking. It's, it, it is a wonderful thing when you, you get to be a part of that and also get informed by it. I want to invite you to pray in the quiet that God would speak to you as we open the scriptures together. And very simply, uh, wherever you are, if you're saying I'm, I've got doubts, questions, I'm skeptical, tell them that. If you're saying I'm a follower and it's going well, ask for more. If it's not going well and you're struggling, tell them that. We want you just to be honest and ask God to meet you in that, and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I thank you that you have made us to be yours together. I thank you for each person here, each person watching online, each person that would in some way be pursuing you with us. Whether skeptical, fully engaged, struggling, flourishing, we simply pray you'd meet us where we need it, individually, in our own homes and lives, and in our fullness of community here too. God, anything that I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But I pray anything that is from you, that you'd breathe life, Breathe hope, breathe power, breathe your presence, and in the same way you would 
teach us how we are to walk into and follow you in it. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, we're in the fourth and final week of a very simple series we've titled, very simply, Finding Our Place in God's Family, that the very image of the church is to be a family. And that's how God made us, what he wants us to be. So I want you to consider with me just a minute what you'd consider. If you're trying to create an image, what does a family look like? I would assume some of us, depending on when we grew up, probably would go back to TV families because that's what, that's often our example besides our own. And in different eras, they were different kinds of families, right? Those have kind of modified and morphed and people of all sorts of things. But none of them gives a good picture of what it really means to be this missional family that lives on purpose and in him. And then maybe some of you would go to sports teams because we often look at how a team works together and say, well, that's a missional community. That's a family. And maybe you've even seen stories or or enjoyed them. The Last Dance, for example, is a a great story about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan's kind of final hurrah. And if you watch something like that, you get this picture of a team working together, their individuality, but also their communal nature and the goods and bads of that. And maybe that inspires you. Or if you are like me, a desperate and chronic Lions fan, you're now watching Hard Knocks thinking, I didn't used to get to see what was behind the scenes, and now that gives me more hope in front of the scenes. And you go, but that's not really a family, is it? So what I want to do today is we look at finding our place, as we look at the passage, is give you an image that I, I think will be very helpful to know what indeed a family can look like and be. And so it's an image that was first identified, not the particular thing, but brought into by a man named Philip Yancey in his writings to describe what the church can be. And here is the image. I don't know why you're laughing. That is a really unique and beautiful animal. You're probably thinking to yourself, is that real? And it is. It's a duck-billed platypus, in case you don't know what it is. It's, have you ever seen anything like it and thought, now that's an image of a family? But, but let me explain a little further, as Philip does in his writing. He speaks of the duck-billed platypus in a very unique way because it has different ap- attributes. So it has a flat bill with no teeth and even the webbed feeding, much like a duck would have and much like some kind of amphibious creature that way. But it also has a furry body and a furry tail more like a beaver would have. Now you have two different animals coming together. And if that weren't enough, it actually walks. Its gait is much more different and unique. Its gait is actually more like a lizard. A lizard. In case you didn't realize, you probably haven't watched it walk, but that's what it does. And it has leathery eggs more like a reptile. And take it a further way, the males in this species can kick back and they basically expel a venom that can be poisonous like a snake. So tell me that's not one crazy wild animal. Uniquely, uh, as Yancey writes about it, he says that in England, one of these animals was sent back in the 1800s kind of to study. I don't know where they sent it, but it wasn't the first time this had happened. People in other parts of the world would send animals to see and kind of be impressed by And just a few years before that, people sent an animal they called a mermaid, and it caught quite an excitement, believing it was real. And what had happened was people somewhere near the Sea of China had cut off chimp heads and sewn them onto fish and sent them in. And people thought these were real mermaids until they realized they weren't, and then they were quite upset with the uproar that was false. It wasn't true. So when the platypus came in, they all went, not a real thing. 
But here's what I love that Yancey says. The ductile platypus stretches everything we think about human nature that one body can contain all of us. It doesn't make sense. That is the church family. See, here's the deal. We're not looking to make you look all pretty. But I'm telling you, something that seems ugly is incredibly powerful and beautiful. And, and I want you to get the fact, even as we go into this, that why it seems un- odd and ugly and not even sightly is because we don't see how this could be real all working together. So as we walk through this passage, I'm going to keep reminding you that you are a duck-billed platypus. You are. I am. And you'll see it in the passage because until we understand that God's made us to be something that's like nothing else, that combines things in no way we could do on our own, and that many will look and go, whoa, what is that? They should be looking and going, what is that? So let's take up with Paul, which we have been with Paul, this early church leader, in his letter to the Ephesians in different sections of it, looking at how we find our place in God's family. And we're bringing this to conclusion today as Paul uniquely writes to the churches. Now let me remind you, if you haven't been with us, Paul is this early church leader who discovers the resurrection of Jesus through actually him wanting to take out and persecute Christians. He has a very divine and unique mystical moment when Jesus uniquely stops him, blinds him, and says, listen, why are you doing this to me? Why are you persecuting me? And Paul moves from basically persecutor to champion. And part of what God tells him is you're going to suffer through all this. Now, by this time when Paul writes... He has been over 10,000 miles journeying, been through city after city after city, and everywhere he goes, he helps people discover who Jesus is, and he has duck-billed platypus all over the, this area of Turkey and Israel and ancient Rome, basically, culture that are growing because they're building a new kind of family that makes no sense but is transforming the world. So we take it up in chapter 4. Paul writes this, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now the words he begins with, as a prisoner for the Lord, would conjure up some significant images for people in this ancient culture. You see, there was one Lord in the ancient culture, and it was Caesar. Caesar was Lord, and Caesar was also king. And by Paul saying, I am a prisoner for the Lord, he's speaking of Jesus. He says, you want to know who Lord is and who king is, it's Jesus. And and that by itself alone is a very crazy idea. Because kings dominated and kings ruled for their benefit and their subjects were to accommodate what the king wanted. The king was elevated and different than everyone else and looked upon for what they wanted. Everybody else just served so the king got a better life and got fun for themselves, and was untouchable and unknowable. It's not how Paul's describing Jesus. What he's saying is, you and I, we follow a king, and we serve him as Lord, but it's different than anything else you can imagine. And anything we go on from here, if we don't start with Jesus as Lord and Jesus as king, we can't become the family he made us. Because I'll just tell you flat out, when you see how he lives, it's a duck-billed platypus. Like it does not look pretty and majestic or even higher and self-gratifying. The way Jesus comes to live is through death and servitude and sorrow and pain and suffering. 
In other words, the king comes to us, not says just do for me, but I will live with you. And Paul is starting this whole thing with you will never become the family you've been made to be unless you are in him. In other words, you and I cannot do this alone. Just like there's no reason a duck-billed platypus can have all these different attributes together, you and I could never become a family together if it were not in him. And so wherever else we go, just remember, I can't do this alone and you can't do this alone. I cannot make this happen and you cannot make this happen. And what everyone else would think is the very call is like this weird thing that's a duck-billed platypus. I'm telling you, that's the way Jesus calls us. Something that will stretch and move beyond what our own nature and our own ways could be. And that's why the next thing he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Because God himself didn't stand over and say, serve me and you hope it goes well enough. He said, I'm coming to be with you and I'm actually going to be gentle and humble. I'm going to enter the darkest places of your life from my majestic high reign. I will lower myself and be with you. In other words, you and I receive his grace, his kindness, his mercy, and his love. And he says, that's the kind of family I'm going to build. Be the same way as me. Now, can we just agree? That sounds awesome. But that sounds impossible, doesn't it? And that's where we start. It is impossible on our own. It's in him. It's in him. It's you and I saying, I want to live like Paul. I want to be whatever it is for the Lord. Paul's a prisoner for the Lord. He's actually going, it means you and I go, it doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or ugly. I will be whatever you want me to be for you. Tell me that doesn't smack against the way we live today. I mean, the call is to let go, not to demand and not to make Jesus a constituent or someone that we kind of enjoy along the way. It's to say, I put it all down. And I'm trusting living the way you live and following you in the way you've been and receiving the things you give through life. That's going to build something I could never build on my own and be something I could never be on my own. And by the way, no matter how successful, no matter what kind of team you're trying to build, it will never build that. That's what Paul's telling us. Listen, you have to live a different way, and it's all about how you will live together. And then he continues on this vein. This is what it looks like. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. And we talk about unity a lot. The church does. We need to be unified in him, I'm under some unity. We often miss the fact that this is a unity of the spirit. In other words, God initiates the unity. You and I can't make it happen, but he's challenging us to keep the unity. What he's saying very simply is God gave us unity through his spirit coming into every believer's life and calling us to live differently, to live in ways that make no sense that are, like I said, a duck-billed platypus, man. Those things are just going to live. This group's going to live with that group. These things are going to work together, and it's not going to look like it would even happen. But that unity is what God instilled in us. But the next part is we have to fight to keep it. In other words, we have to work towards it. Now, can you and I agree, at least in my adult life, I don't remember another time that was less unified and more contentious. All sorts of things divide us, and we're typically measuring what area will cause me to disentangle from you or even break relationship with you. Paul's message is, whoa, 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 whoa. 
We have to fight for this. We have to work at this. It's not easy to do. And I always go back. I just want you to keep picturing. You know, it's a weird thing, but keep picturing a duck-billed platypus because I'm telling you, all these different kinds of animals that don't fit together somehow work together. And it's like a little, little gift. God goes, hey, this doesn't seem to make sense, but this is what I mean. You don't think you can have unity? Yes, you can. You don't think this can work? Yes, it can. He's saying, I want you to work at this. And then he's reminding there's one body and one spirit. Just you were called when you were called. He's telling us there's a oneness. There's something that connects all of us. And this is a picture we get regularly in Scripture. It's a picture that we always have. And once in a while we get a window into it. So I'll give you one. This is when Israel is coming together and God tells them to make a, a tabernacle, a temple for him. A place where his presence will be housed. It's in 2 Chronicles 5, and it tells you that all these people work together to build this temple. Now, just think about any building project you've been a part of. Has there ever been frustration and anger and difficulty building something? Have any of you had it where you're building something and you're mad at the people you contracted with because they're not doing it at the time or the way they said they would? Or you're building something and the people just keep changing your minds. You're like, something's wrong with these people. I just... Or you're even sitting with someone you're close to and trying to design it and you're fighting about it. Can we agree that just building something a little for us is difficult? So what do you think? You think it was easy for Israel to come together? Oh, I'm good. Let's do whatever. Can you imagine all the things they'd want to fight about? So the picture is they build this temple and then they all come together when it's all done because they're all working towards the same thing. And then it tells us that those leading come in and they sing, he is good and his mercy endures forever. There is one person with one voice in unity. And it says God's glory shows up and they can't even do anything. Do you know why? Because the power of their unity, building a place God can be present in, is so amazing. The whole world has, can't believe it and they can't believe it. Can you get a picture of just how, why God would say, I want you to be uni in unity? And Paul's going to keep hammering on this. I want you to get it. It's one, it's one, it's one body, it's one spirit. Then you're going to keep going. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father over all who is over all, Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You see, there's one God who brings all of us together. When Paul writes about this to the church in Rome, he says, listen, I want you guys to glorify God as one person with one voice. And then he tells you how. You do it by accepting each other as God has accepted you. And it says it brings praise to him. In other words, it's no longer a temple, a physical temple built for God's presence. Now those of you who are Christians know where God's presence lives. Where is it? It's in every one of us, right? Jesus rises, he gives us his spirit. We are his temple. And guess what? When we come together, not physically like in one room going, look, we're all in a room, we made a building. But when we come together in how we live, God's presence is glorified and people take notice. Whew. And I'm telling you, it may not look pretty. I don't mean it's like, oh, and they see it. It's like, this is weird, but I can't explain it. It's a duck-billed platypus. How in the world does this work together? Because God did something that doesn't make sense. And when people are so different, can actually learn to love each other because they know who he is and they live following him, it changes the world. Whew. It means the power is shown in how we live and love each other. In him, we not only receive unity, we fight to keep it growing. And we keep remembering you and I are one, you and I are together in this. We're in the following the same Jesus. 
We're part of the same baptism, same Lord, same Father. Whew. We just lose sight because we live in a world that's constantly telling us how different we are and how we need to divide and divide and divide and divide. Now, I want to give you the next section, and then we're going to look where Paul goes because he's going to give more clarity to how we become part of this family. Like, What does that mean? We're in unity, and how do we live this way? In the next section, he quotes a psalm, Psalm 68, where he talks about the psalmist says that basically the Lord ascended and built this unique way of life, if you want to say it simply. And then Paul says he, if he ascended, he descended. And what Paul's saying is God didn't just build this new way of life. He descended into the lowliness and the brokenness and the sinfulness and just all the mess where people thought they were had nothing to bring, nothing to do, could never have life get better. They were too broken and too sinful. And he reaches down there and elevates that up. He takes some seriously ugly looking life and turns it into something that's unexplainable. Come on, duck-billed platypus, huh? I'm telling you, what a look we have to be. And I'm not interested in it being majestic or everybody goes, ooh, look how pretty they are. I'm fine if I'm the ugly part of it. I'm just not alone. I'm looking out like, yeah, you're okay, but there's some ugliness here too. Can we just agree it's not about looking a certain way? It's about something that doesn't make sense. It's going to be weird, but it's going to be awesome. You just need to look around and go, man, I love being a duck-billed platypus with you. Now he's going to continue to give more explanation. How do we actually get there? What does it look like? And now he moves to the leadership side. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, what for? To equip his people for works of service. What are the works of service for? So the body may be built up, the body of Christ. Now, there's a couple of things to clarify in here or remind us of. The first, very simply, is that he uses these, we call them offices, but leadership roles like apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. That would be a whole other message to try and explain how all that works and the meaning. And the interesting thing for Paul is he uses different iterations of this, meaning in other letters he talks about offices, but they're not, they're not uniformly the same. So I don't even want to try and deal with what those might be. I just want you to understand this. The role of leaders in the church is to equip the people of the church to live and love and serve differently. In other words, we're like your trainers. Our job is to be training and encouraging and equipping you. Our job is to help you become who God made you to be. Oftentimes I'll have people go, well, that is a problem, Pastor. You need to go and fix that. And you're thinking, guess what? My job is to help you find ways to do that. Well, we pay the pastor so that they'll do the work. No, you don't. And I'm not trying to get a pass. Like, I just want to sit in my office and read my Bible. What I mean is, my job, our job, is to literally go, you can do it. And we can help. We're not trying to fill slots for volunteers. We're trying to help you see exactly what God made you to do, to give and live in works of service. We say it this way to our staff. Our job is to be hero makers. We are Alfred and Alfreda to your Batman and Batwoman. You're the heroes. We're the ones that walk alongside. That's the picture Paul is giving, that you're the ones that are made to do this. And then he says it's for works of service. That when there's works of service, something 
profound and powerful happens. In fact, he further explains it as he continues. He says, these works of service that build us up, it builds us up until the reach, the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I mean, this is a crazy picture. He's saying this, do you know that as you serve and as you serve together, there's the act of serving. That accomplishes something. Did you know that as you do it, it builds unity? In other words, when we do this together, we grow together in how we serve and live. But he also says, guess what? Not only does it build unity, it actually grows you up. You get more mature. Did you know how you're going to grow? By serving together. You're, you know how you're going to become more unified? By serving together. You know how you're going to actually, actually become mature Christians? By serving together. It's simply like this. We live often in serving or volunteering like we're basically free agents. Oh, you know, I'll serve when it works for me. I serve as long as my gifts. I, I love this one. I'm not stewarding my gifts well. I need to be in a place that really maximizes my gifts. We are so sorry we weren't putting you first. And I'm not saying those things don't matter. I'm saying they're, you do realize the model behind that is why am I not getting more out of this? I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus, so I can get more out of this. See, the way of God is to give up. And the way of giving up is what actually gives. Never will come from us maximizing or, I can serve. I'm just kind of busy right now. I mean, I've got a lot of things going. I've got a pretty full calendar. I'm raising my family. I'm doing this on my own. i got these work things. I, I'm glad you have a full life. Just don't fill it so you fill it right out of the idea of being a servant of Jesus. Because it's more and more becoming that way. We have overflowed our lives, and that's like, well, I think I have time on Tuesday from 8 to 8.15. As long as one of the shows I don't like, I really like, that I can't miss is on, or my phone doesn't happen to be calling me to do something right now. I mean, Paul is challenging us to say there's something better and bigger for us than you or I realize. I, I want you to picture with me what happens when we serve together. You do realize we rub shoulders, we deal with each other, and life looks different, right? Like it changes us because we know each other. We navigate issues with each other. We are both impacted and impacting if we truly pursue loving relationship in it. Paul continues to give more to this and even caution to us. It says, if we do this, we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Now, he's going to give the maturation side, but I want us just to consider the admonitions here. Oh, you know what? When we do this, we're not like little kids and little babies. That is not a very nice thing to say. We do realize that, right? Oh, I love that you're Christians. You're kind of baby Christians. And the weird part is, sometimes we think, as long as I read the Bible enough and know what I'm supposed to think, that matures me. Which certainly is part of it, but do you realize you could know more spiritually and not mature at all, emotionally, or in relationships? We're just like little kids. And he says it's like a, something being tossed back and forth, because when you're a little kid, you pretty much scream when it's not going well. And you just want it to be calm, and you want your food, and you want your diaper changed, and you want your, I mean, you get the idea. 
It's about me. Why isn't this going well? The next one is this idea of turbulence, of being tossed about by the winds, meaning circumstances and culture toss us back and forth when we're immature. And then he takes it even a step further to say some of what we're taught is downright deceitful, and I'm not sure we know to take the difference of those things. Think about how many things are informing us right now that are not Jesus, are not Scripture, and are not the church. Are we being tossed around back and forth by culture? Are we being tossed around back and forth by politics? Are we being tossed around back and forth by this person disagrees with me about that, therefore they're all evil and all bad? You know we're very complicated people, right? Just so you know, none of us is all good and all bad. We all got some serious warts and we all got some places we're growing. And what Paul's saying is the maturation is about learning to live differently. And then he says how? Speak the truth in love. We grow up in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. In other words, it's rooted in him. And, and this idea of speaking the truth in love, we tend to polarize and segment. Oh, speaking the truth. So what it is is I say what I believe to be true, and it doesn't matter if I say it lovingly or not because my sh- simply saying it's loving. I'm sorry it offends you. I'm just telling you as it is. It's like we're the Simon Cowles of everything. I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm about to say something horrible and horrific to you. And there's some truth to it, but really I don't care. Then there's the other side. They're like, no, no, we're loving. We're loving because everything we say and do is just to let you know no matter what, it's all good. But love actually enters the fray of the mess. And to be clear, when he says speaking the truth in love, it doesn't mean it's what you simply say. It means what you say is how you live. It means we actually love people by how we speak and act. And I want to give you a really simple picture, at least for me, that I am hearing the call of God out. It's not even really about changing anything I would value or any orthodoxy. It's that when people, people regularly talk to me now as a pastor when they meet me because they know things are crazy. And like, well, what do you think about, it's usually code for, I can't wait to hear how you're an idiot and I'm mad at you just by what you tell me. That's usually what they're saying to me. Or do you align? So what I've learned is I ask them, well, tell me more about why you want to know this. And what I have found is it's very rarely about the issue. It's about something personal that's affected them related to it. And when I know that, I don't change how I believe, but I change how I respond because I want to help and be loving in the midst of all of it. That's speaking the truth in love, walking into relationships, staying at the table. I have people I deeply disagree with, but I also love them and walk with them. And I think they would tell you they know I respect them even if I disagree. And I still care about the things that are painful for them, even if I disagree. Can't do this if we're not willing to walk this way in relationship. And then he brings it, I think, just to a beautiful picture. From him, from the Lord, from him, in him, only way we get there, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, you and I will never grow and build ourselves up if we're not working together. Won't happen through a study we did on our own. It'll happen as we serve and step out together in life. You know, I, uh, as I get older, I've found that I am now um, 
quite adept at physical therapy, not meaning I know how to do it, but I understand it more because I constantly find out new things that my body does that it's not supposed to and how it's all connected. I, it's always crazy, like, oh, you have trouble with your ankles? Well, it's the way you walk and what you do in your midsection. Oh, you have trouble with your neck? Well, it's also these things and other ways, you know, how you hold it and what you do with your arms. And, oh, and they'll push on some part that's not even close. I'm like, that really hurts. Yeah, they're connected. Well, don't push it anymore. That's the only way it's going to get better. See, every part and ligament is connected. And when you think, I don't like that part of who the church is, I don't like that part of the duck-billed platypus. I don't like this area. Guess what? It's connected. The only way it will ever grow up is as each part does its part. And in love, we stay at the table and we walk together, even in all the crud. That's how we become who God made us to be. That's how we find our place in the family. It's simply this, we're joined in him. If we don't start with we're joined in him, we'll never get to the rest of it. We're joined in him, we grow together. We grow together as we serve out of love. I know it sounds simple, and I know just like you do, we can't do it on our own. So many of my prayers have been, God, help me. God, show me what part's yours and what part's mine, because I don't know how to do this. You want to be part of the family. You do have to know how you serve. And I'm going to give you two really simple steps. One is kind of a posture, and the other is at least a step we'd love for you to take with us. And the first one is simply this. What if you started your day and said this, prayed this, Lord, I'm your servant. Lead me with your love for others to serve them. And, and make no mistake, that's a way to start your day, but you will find during the day you'll have to ask different things. Have you ever had this where you're with somebody and you're like, hey, I don't really like them very much right now. I see it on people's eyes all the time when they're with me. What if you started praying, Lord, help me to see them like you do and love them like you do. Help me to see something in them I haven't seen before. What if I explore who they are and I find out why they are the way they are and it starts to just move me towards them because that's what it does, by the way. What if you didn't just pray it in the morning? What if you started asking when you're having trouble? Lord, I, I know I'm supposed to serve, but right now I'm kind of tired. I'd like somebody to get something for me. What if we started just with that? And then let me give you a communal step to take is Tuesday night, we're kind of turboing two of our four weeks of the journey, which is a way to discover who we are as a family and begin to engage in this, and serving's part of it. Tuesday, this Tuesday, from 6 to 8 at every campus, we're going to do this. You go to allshores.org slash the journey, you can sign up. I think I'd love for you to sign up and be part of that with us. And even if you're not ready, just keep looking for it because it'll keep coming. Listen, I want, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for any who are among us that say, I don't follow Jesus, and go, hey, we don't want you to picture who he is. He's a king and he's a Lord. And he's the king and the Lord that lived in a whole different way that came to us in the ugliness of everything that we are. He lived and died for us and rose again, not just to free us from the mess we made, but to offer new life through his presence. And to say, guess what, I'm calling you to be part of a new family you got to know the duck-billed platypus will have nothing on you. How'd you like to be part of that? How'd you like to be something that doesn't make sense, but actually grows up and changes the world out of love? And then for those of us who follow, it's a way to go, am I willing to not be a free agent but be yours? Let's pray. I just want to say, pay no attention to the people behind me making all that noise. Sorry, I did it anyway. Lord... As I pray at the beginning, whatever you want to do, we're asking you to do. So I pray you'll awaken us, you'll grow us, 
you'll even speak to us, not just as I pray, but even as we worship and finish this time together. So I'm asking you to lead, to move, to to challenge and transform us, and asking that us as a group can be people committed to you that live differently, love differently, serve differently, and grow differently. I pray this in your name. Amen. Let me invite you to stand. We're going to worship and celebrate communion kind of a, together in this. And it's a way we give space after a message to center on who Jesus is and what he's done, both in our song and in our participation in a very sacred event. So let's respond and ask God to lead even as we sing. you to be seated just for a minute or two now. Hopefully when you came in, you grabbed one of the cups. That's what we use to celebrate communion. We don't have 
any stipulations of membership here. We just want you to be pursuing Jesus in some way. We don't want you to have to participate if it seems meaningless to you. You'll see as you open it, there's a little bread in the top and the second level of it opens to the drink. Both are there. These are images and ways that Jesus instituted upon his very death. Just before, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body and it's given for you. The king of glory came in the humility of humanity and went right to the depth and the suffering and the brokenness of our lives and died on our behalf. And so we, we celebrate that he actually came in the flesh, but we also have an image in the bread that Paul tells us we're one loaf, one body, meaning when we take of it, we're reminded we're a community in unity. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Through bloodshed, there is forgiveness. In other words, his death offers the debts to be canceled and life to be new and offers us new hope. And by the way, that's the very foundation for how we live in unity, that we actually learn to live and love and forgive one another the same way we have been forgiven. Let's take of the cup. So Lord, I ask this would not just be a religious activity or routine, but uniquely you'd give grace and give us what we need today. Let us receive from you and confess again, we cannot do this alone, that we need you. We want to know your faithfulness and your goodness and live in it. We invite you to stand and we want to sing this as a declaration that you both receive and proclaim. you come. 
Oh, you are one good-looking duck-billed platypus, I got to tell you. I want us to be something that's just odd. Because, man, odd is good. Odd is something that can't be explained. Odd is taking a bunch of things that are amazing on their own and putting them together. And going, There's, how does that even happen? And that's what God's building. One of the craziest odd families you've ever seen. Loving and living in ways that nobody can explain. I simply want to give you a blessing, so place your hands out. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the Spirit. Oh, may he help you to live in a manner worthy of him and for him. May he help you to love and live differently. May he help you to become servants who are changing the world through every act, every fight for unity, and every joy of maturity together. That we would become who he made us to be living, loving, and caring differently for his glory and our joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.